Welcome to Books with Bagby, a podcast about books. In this podcast, I sit down with authors discussing the reason behind certain books that they've written, or we just sit and talk about education, music, technology, or something of the like. If you find this podcast to be your cup of tea, make sure you like, subscribe, and all the things. And share it with your friends, because solos are for grain, not education. And now, Books with Bagby. So today I'm with George Kuros, and we're looking at Innovate Inside the Box, Empower Learners Through UDL and the Inventor's Mindset. Innovators Mindset. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I got that wrong. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, and I'll keep that in just because, you know. Yeah, it's good. It's good to show, you know, growth. That's like one of the big uh, focuses of the book is how we show our learning over time, right? And I think a lot of times people watch these podcasts and uh, sometimes they're so overly edited that they think people are per, per see there. I just said perfect, <laughs> right? So you, you see people make mistakes and that's just part of it. And I think, you know, as educators, it's a really important thing to show that we grow along the process as well. Yes. I, I can't tell you how many times I failed in front of my faculty while doing something because yeah. it's something I wanted them to do something new and <laughs> I'll put myself out there. And I figured if I could fail in front of them, surely they'll be okay failing in front of me or not be as anxious when they're right. teaching their lesson. That's right. So I have some questions I'm going to ask you about this book. And I will start with, um, I know everyone puts their why or the reasons behind the book, but it's usually something deeper than what they have put in the book or what they say in a, uh, on the back page. Uh, what was your reasoning behind a new book after uh, your first? Was that your first book? Innovators, innovators mindset, mindset was actually yeah. Innovators mindset was actually my first book, and what's funny is that I don't know if I really was had like this really big compelling reason on why I would write Innovate inside the box. Uh, I met Katie Novak; she's my co-author on this one, and uh, basically, you know, I, I wrote the majority of it, probably about I think about seventy five twenty five percent, you know, split. And uh, I saw I met Katie at a conference, and it was our first time I saw her speak, and. Uh, she was just phenomenal. I just really loved watching her and just saw that the stuff she was talking about UDL, universal design for learning. So overlapped with my work and I just wanted to meet her. So we met, hit it off immediately. And I said, Hey, you should stay for my keynote. She's like, no, I'm going shopping. So I'm like, I just watched <laughs> you, but she already had these plans with her family who I all like now know very well. And I said, well, you know, to make sure you take a look at you know, innovators mindset, because I think you'll appreciate some of the ideas. And so she actually read it and she said, we should write something together. And I was like, no, I'm never writing a book ever again. <laughs> I'm, I'm good, I, I don't wanna write a book. And so she kind of got on me, got on me, got on me. And I still, I was like, no. And then, you know, kind of, I think for me, I, I share a lot of my learning. I share a lot of the stuff that I'm kind of going through education wise, personal wise, because I think it's really, you know, as we talked at the beginning of the podcast, how powerful it is to kind of share your learning. Uh, and I actually just kind of hit me um, the idea behind uh, the book for Innovate Side the Box. And I contacted Katie, I said, yeah, let's go. I'm ready to write a book. And not even kidding, three weeks later, it was done. Like, and that's, wow. that's how, that's how, and like now, of course, we had to do the editing process. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm just, the, the, that's... The, fir the first draft was done. And um, that's kind of how I try to do things. Like I share a lot of my learning, but for me to, um, actually write a book, I kind of have this process where I just 
that's everything in my life for however long it takes me is dedicated to that book. Cause I get so much anxiety. I like, can't stop thinking about it. And I do not want to drag that out over six months because I need sleep, right? Because I'll like wake up in the middle of the night writing notes down of things I want to, to share. And so the really nice thing um, was I actually wrote, I think the first five chapters totally on my own. And I just would send them to Katie as soon as I was done. So she kind of saw where I was going. And then I would actually write um, the in I think it was like chapters five to whatever, five to 12 or whatever, the middle chapters, um, I would write the first part in the morning, kind of the why behind the idea. And then I would just ship it to Katie. And then Katie would read that part. And then she would add practical strategies of how to make those things happen in the classroom. And it was beautiful because we actually had a very nice flow in the sense that I, I like writing the morning, she likes writing at night. And so we literally would just we went every day, we would get a chapter done. And it was just a nice process uh, of doing that. So it, if it wasn't for Katie's encouragement, I probably um, would have never done it. But I think part of it too, I think a lot of times people say, I want to write a book, and then they try to make stuff fit into a book. Whereas I say, oh, I just want to write. And I want to share my learning. And then if a book comes to me, then I'll you know, the, the, the opportunity to write it. And I think that for me is like how you actually, you know, become better at writing. You don't write to like, say I did a book. I, I don't want to just write a book. I want to write a book that, you know, is really good, but I think that takes, you know, lots of other writing for that to actually happen. Mm. Well, thank you. And I, I need to make sure that I hit Katie up to have a conversation with her oh, yeah. to see if Katie's she feels like the same about you. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, Katie called, you can even see on Twitter. She calls me her big brother. So, uh, okay. so she, she's my, I'm her big brother. She's my annoying little sister. So like, I'll make sure I have that in, but she's like, Katie's a prolific writer. I I've actually paired her up with some other people to write books too. And she has the same process. She can get stuff done immediately. So, um, yeah, she, I think she just released her new book. Yeah. She'd be great to have on the podcast. She just uh, released a third version of uh, UDL now, uh, just this past week. So she is, uh, she, she does love to write and I, and I love writing. I, I don't know if I love writing books. It's, it's different, but, but when I <laughs> oh, do yeah. write the book, I do, you know, love that process. Yes. All, all of my writing is for grad school right now. So, and right. I'm totally not going to say, I, yeah, totally. I'm not gonna say I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll love it when I turn in a dissertation, then, <laughs> then I'll be in love. Yes. That's right. That makes sense. Just off your head or off the top of your head, hmm. what would you say are the deep lessons or ideas you want the readers to walk away with from this book? Is it the universal design for learning? Because there's right. a lot of that throughout. And uh, Well, I, I think, you know, I, obviously we talk a lot about, you know, ideas around universal design for learning, but I think one of the, like, I guess there's two things that stick out with me is that um, we really kind of created a framework for people to fill in the blanks, not to be told what to do. And so like, if you look at, um, there's like the Charlotte Danielson framework for teaching right now, it, it's, I don't think that Danielson expected it to be, um, you know, taken word for word and applied, but it, that's how it is in a lot of school districts that are, you know, maybe listening to this right away. And my question always is like, has Charlotte Danielson actually been to your school? Like, how do you know that? Right. And like, we talk about the importance of like personality, knowing our community, but then we'll use a framework that's used no matter the school and say, this is what good teaching looks like. 
And so one of the things is I, I try to present some like really big ideas there and then say, okay, now with your staff, you know, with your faculty, you tell me what it means to build relationships and how you know it's effective. You tell me what learner-driven evidence-informed practice means to you, what that looks like, how do you, you know, find evidence of that actually happening. So I think it's kind of like, you know, maybe setting up some kind of like boundaries and like kind of big ideas, but I think like really wanting people to make it their own, not like telling people how to teach because who, like, who am I, who is anybody to not know a community and tell people this is the, what effective teaching looks like, right? You can give examples of effective teaching maybe in your practice and which I try to do, like I, I provide those, you know, examples, but I, I'm not, I don't think anybody is in the place to say, you know, like you can tell me, Hey, research has shown this works for 90% of kids. I'm like, do you know my kids? Have you met my kids? Do you know my students? Like, I'll learn from that stuff, but it doesn't mean that if I apply it the way you tell me, it's going to work because I need to know who I'm serving. I think sometimes in education, we say like how important relationships are. <laughs> and then we totally, you know, put in like, you know, systems that don't actually serve kids based on us getting to know who they are, you know, yes. or a staff. And so the other part of it too is we really wanted to talk about like those foundational elements that a lot of times we're asking educators to really think different about their practice and what it looks like, but then we're actually just creating, we're just saying, but do it within the same structures that you've always done. Right. So like, we're not going to change our leadership, but you need to change your teaching. Yes. And so really, I think part of it was, Hey, so you, before you do like a profile of a graduate, which, you know, many schools do, how are you going, how is that not just like a communications thing that you're doing for PR purposes with your community saying like, we want our grads to do this. Well, how do I know you're doing this? How do I know it's not just some facilitator said, this is what's important. And then you just put it up, but you don't actually develop it. So if it actually really is important, what are the foundational elements that you put together to support your staff and your students to actually bring, for example, a profile of a graduate to life? Like what structural, what systemic things are you actually changing there? And so I think that's what we, that was really to, important to me is to kind of give some ideas, kind of give, you know, type of a framework and really kind of acknowledge that you can't really change teaching in the classroom unless you, you know, involve teachers in the process of leadership and, and how we actually develop this. And then kind of, but then really encouraging people to make the, the ideas and the lessons in the book, their own, figure out like, here's some examples. What does it mean to you? What does it look like to you? So I think that was what was really crucial in uh, how we put that book together. I got to applaud just the fact that you, of course, everyone says, oh, relationships, relationships, relationships. Right. And your idea of making sure you're using those relationships to leverage that knowledge that you've gained on this model or that model, because all students aren't alike. And right. so many times, like you were saying, we're trying to <laughs> make the students fit into the boxes that we have in our mind um, and want to get that work out of them. So thank you for that. I, I, I just appreciate, appreciate that. It. Yeah. And I think, you know, Greg, as you're saying, like, uh, we, it's not even just that not all students are like, not all our communities are like, like you can have a school district yes. that has very different communities within that district. And I think a lot of times, so the, the notion of innovate inside the box is understanding, yeah, we do work within constraints. Maybe you do like one of the things we did in my school district that I thought was really powerful is we basically created an, an entire vision for the school district as a community. It wasn't people in a back room surprising the staff. It was actually like conversations we had had. 
And so we said, this is where we want to go. But what is really important is that you as a school community, you figure out your pathway how to get there. And what does that look like to you? How do you get to that endpoint, which could be different from this school community, right? Like we in the in the last school district that I served in, we had a high school of 2000 kids, and we had a K nine school of 40 kids. And so you can think like right there, just the, the <laughs> sheer population, you're gonna have a very different type of community. But to say like, you all have to do things the exact same way doesn't make sense. But also saying like, we're all moving toward this point together, but our pathways are going to look different on how we get to that place. So I think it's really kind of honoring that. And I think, you know, some people say, well, why, like, why would you only make one vision? The, the problem is, is that a lot of school districts, what they'll do, they'll have a, a vision for the school district, a vision for the high school, a vision for the classroom, a vision for the tech department, a vision for the curriculum people. And so like, you know how hard it is to actually get people together for one vision? Now try seven, right? And yeah. so, and which one's the most important? Is it the one where I, I, is it my high school or is it the district that employs the high school principal, right? So it was about saying like, hey, let's figure out a pathway and like where we want to go together, but let's honor that people will have different journeys get into that space. And so that's kind of the, the notion of innovating at the box is that, yeah, we do have constraints in the work that we do, but how do you work within those constraints to bring out the best while continuously pushing to get rid of those constraints? Uh, so I think that was a clip, a golden clip right there when you were just okay. discussing how uh, we're not all going to get there. The path is going to be different to get to this final goal. And Absolutely. we need to understand that and be able to think about that as school leaders, district leaders. Yes, we want all of our schools to achieve and achieve at high levels but they don't all have to do the exact same things. So, sorry. That's one no, of my soapboxes. <laughs> well, you know, Greg, and I think that's a really important aspect is that one of the things that I get really frustrated with in education still to this day is we are trying to make every kid good at every single subject, which I think is ridiculous, mm. right? I'm never going to be good at science, nor do I care. I don't want to be good at science. Now, I do believe science is important. And I believe in science class, there are things that we can learn that we can apply in all aspects of our life. And so our schools focused on getting kids all good at the same thing, or we all focus on every kid being good at something because those are two different things I just said. Right. And I think that we're, it's like, we're saying let's personalize learning, but make every kid walk out of here exactly the same. And like, what, what joy in the world is that? Right. Yes. As opposed to like, Hey, I know we got to teach science and this kid's not really excited about it, but how can I bring, that child's strengths out and their passions through the process while still teaching science, right? Like while like, you know, still having to do the curriculum and all that other stuff, because that is part of my job of what I have to do right now. Not saying, well, every, like, I, I don't even think every kid should be good at every subject, like in a perfect world, but we don't live in a perfect world. But we, the way school is structured is we are so focused on actually making every kid do the same thing. And it, it, it really bothers me because I don't want that for my own children. I want you to realize my kid, my two daughters are very unique. They have different passions, they have different strengths. And I don't want them to be the same. I want them to have their own opportunities, their own you know abilities that they tap into. Yes, I had that conversation with my daughter just recently because uh, she's in biochemistry, yeah science and she's not doing as well or she didn't do as well as she did in organic biology and she was saying 
well, I did great in organic and uh, I was top of the class and I did this and did this, but these other students, they're doing better than I am in biochemistry. Right. And I'm like, it's okay. Right. We just want you to do the best you can wherever you can. If yep. you're great at biology versus chemistry when it comes to organic versus biochem, which I don't know any of the things that she's studying. I'm just saying good for her. Um, right. Right. We're just happy that she's learning and growing. Uh, and it's one of those things that I know that the districts, okay, so yes, I do work for a district and hopefully I won't get um, called to the office on this, but I know that districts aren't allowing students to be individuals, so to speak. Right. Uh, right. But that's exactly what we should be shooting for. Yeah, we will, I, we, of course we want all students to excel, but we don't need all students to excel at the exact same things. Yes. Right? Like they need to excel at something, not the same things. Totally agree. Uh, I guess we should talk about the book again. So sure. <laughs> what was your greatest challenge in writing the book and how did you overcome that challenge? Uh, I, th I think for me, it was a different experience writing Innovations of the Box because I was writing with um, somebody else, right? And so there's someone I was a little bit more accountable to. But I think that actually really helped me because um, the way Katie and I wrote the book, we were very cognizant of, we didn't want to say I, George, because I feel that really wrecks the flow of the book. We basically just said like, how can, like, I want to write, what's the parts that I, you know, really stand out at? What's the parts you stand out? How do we separate it, make it really easy for the reader, but have like a cadence in the book? So we actually, it's weird, we actually um, developed a system in the book where when Katie took over, there was just a, a, like a little baton symbol. So you knew it, like it was me handing it off to Katie to take over the next part. And we kind of talked about that so that the flow of the book, so you can actually distinctly know this is George writing, uh, this is Katie writing, one of my favorite comments. Um, we got really, we've got really good feedback on the book and it, I, I'm, I'm very, very proud of Innovate of the Box. I, I really love it. I think it's so beneficial, um, not like to school districts, but it's very, you know, there's so many practical ideas in it. But one of my favorite comments was, uh, could he use less George, more Katie? I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's not very nice. So I like, so it's actually funny because uh, Katie, um, Katie and I, there are two districts uh, or the same district reached out to us and they decided to book me for an event instead of Katie. I said, I guess they wanted more George, less Katie. So, <laughs> but we like, we're pretty close. So we kind of laugh at that. Right. Cause I like, I told her this is like, Oh, it was horrible. I can't believe they said that online. <laughs> pretty easy to say online when you can't see your face. Right. Not yeah. Yeah. There is that. And that's a whole nother soapbox that uh, I'll it try is. not to get on today. <laughs> so, I know you said you love the writing process and you love writing books. Uh, do you have any other publications on the horizon? I do actually. Um, uh, so after writing with Katie, I, I really started getting more into this collaborative book writing process. And so um, last year I released a book called because of a teacher and it's actually inspired by um, uh, uh, something I did in my podcast. It was, I'd ask these questions. Um, who's a teacher that inspired you? Who's an administrator that inspired you? And what advice would you give to your first year teacher self? So I've asked the same three questions to people over and over again. But actually what I did was I answered the questions first because I'm really big on leading by example. So I'm not going to ask anyone to do something that I don't do myself. So I actually talked about, uh, 
I cheated immediately on the very first question. So I asked what, who is the teacher that inspired you? And immediately I named three teachers because I didn't want to leave, you know, just the people that came to my mind. So I talked about my kindergarten teacher, uh, my music teacher and my phys ed teacher, who was also my high school football coach. And I actually posted it. And within probably about 24 hours, each one of them, I didn't do this. They actually reached out to me. And they thanked me for writing or for sharing that, how honored and how much they listened to it. They shared very personal stories that I was like, wow, this is like, 40, like my kindergarten teacher taught me 40 years ago and she can remember stuff about <laughs> me still from that time. Wow. And I realized how many educators that have had such an impact on people never hear those stories from their students. And so what, so I was like, you know, as I kind of, you know, did the podcast more and more, the podcast was one way, but then I thought, you know what, this would be a really powerful book. It'd be great, you know, great um, story to maybe remind teachers why they do what they do, but hopefully, you know, have people say like, I need to really reach out to this teacher that made an impact on me. And so um, last year, uh, because of a teacher came out. And so I wrote uh, basically an introduction to each part. And then I had five people answer the question, who's a teacher inspired you? Five people talk about admin and five people answered um, who's like, uh, what advice you give to your first year teacher self. And so actually coming out right away, uh, probably right around the time of this, this podcast is being released. The second version of because of a teacher is coming out, which is specifically focused on the, what advice would you give to your first year teacher self? And we wanted to put that together because, you know, really new teachers coming into the profession, probably terrified right now, which you're like scared oh, in yeah. normal times. Right. But also like, you know, it's, it's a great way. Like some of the people that wrote for this um, are just known all over the world and they talk about some of the struggles they had. And I think a lot of people see these, these educators um, like Dr. Latanya Goffney, who's, mm -hmm. you know, one of the most revered um, superintendents I've ever met talking about some of the struggles she had as a first year teacher. And I think a lot of people see her as a superintendent, um, you know, at the pinnacle of her career, but yeah. don't realize that, she also struggled like we all do, right? There's also things that she questioned that she did along the way and still does to this day. And so it's, it's meant to be like kind of, you know, really for, you know, teachers entering the profession, but for teachers anywhere, just to, you know, think about some of the struggles they've had over the time and how they've overcome. So I, I'm really excited that's coming out very soon. That's great. Well, I'm excited. And one of the things I'll have to do is make sure, and you, it'll be in the pre- podcast if you ever hear it uh basically i'm going to ask the audience members to not only buy your all's books but to rate them on amazon because uh what's the use of buying a book and you don't rate the book or tell the author or tweet out what you liked about it or what you didn't like i just think that does a world of difference for those folks that are writing and producing and i think that's one way we can thank them for that well yeah and it's like it's you know like putting out books is a is a terrifying process right like to to put things out there and you know like i i really love innovators mindset innovates of the box there's something really special about the because of a teacher series because i feel that um a lot of people buy them because my name's connected to it they've followed my writing for years but it's they're exposed to not just like snippets but whole chapters from these incredible people they might not know um, or they might know from somewhere else and sharing stories, maybe in a little bit of a different way. So there's, it, it, I love the, that opportunity to um, highlight some of, some of those people through those books. Um, and, and they, they, they I, I, I remember like 
reading through their stories and like crying. And I'm like, oh, this is gonna be so good. Like <laughs> such powerful stories. And I, I'm really excited about it. So uh, before I let you go, is there another gem or trinket, trinket, I guess you could call it, something you would like to share with the audience? Um, and it doesn't have to specifically be about your book, but just something in regards to education or something that's been on George's mind for, for a bit. Oh, I don't know if I want to share stuff that's been on my mind. Oh, well, like, maybe that not might, that. Uh, it depends on, it depends on my mood that day. But um, I, I think for me, one of the things about, you know, I know we're talking about books specifically kind of going through that process. The whole, the whole thing about innovators mindset, innovates of the box, all these books, none of these things would have ever actually happened. If um, years ago when I was a principal, we didn't start digital portfolios in our school. So we actually started a process where we wanted to implement digital portfolios in our school, but we were honestly doing a terrible job. And the reason we were doing a terrible job is because we were trying to teach something not one of us as adults had ever learned ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I said, look, I'm going to go first. So I'm going to go as the principal. I'm going to figure out what platform we're going to use, what it's going to look like, how we could do this. And then I'm going to lead this by example. I'm not going to tell people what it should be. I'm going to show people what I learned and, and then bring them along so they can learn as well. And so I actually started that and we actually did like a blog slash portfolio because we really want to focus on, you know, reading and writing skills. That was a very important, even though there's some very, um, we didn't want just people dumping a bunch of links. We wanted people, you know, reflecting and sharing that way. And if you said to me when I started that process, like maybe this will turn into a book, I would have said, you're crazy. Like, I hate <laughs> reading. Why would I write a book? Right? Like, why would I do that to anybody else? And then I actually started getting into the process and was able to lead my school. But I started saying like, hey, this is something I really love. And it was the process of learning. And then all of a sudden people started saying like, hey, you should write a book. Like, would you be interested in writing a book with us? And I never saw myself in that space. And then people started seeing that in me. And it all started by just saying, you know what? I want to model my learning. I want to be the first one to mm -hmm. go. It was never like, I want to write a book. And it's kind of like just sitting on your couch one day and saying, I want to run a marathon. Well, you got to run a little bit before you start going for the big things, right? Yes. And I think, and it's kind of, I think it's just kind of falling in love with the process. I think, you know, start with the process and let the product happen. Don't focus on the product. And I think it's a really important message for, you know, not only students, but for educators too. Because I think we get so focused on the end grade, the, yes. the checklist that we don't just kind of appreciate the process. Like to this day, like I have no books in mind coming out. Like I have no books in mind, but I still write several times a week because I like writing. I like sharing my ideas, you know, and I think, I think I actually like sharing my ideas more with myself through the writing process than I do with others. I just let people kind of into that because <laughs> it helps me really kind of process what I'm thinking about. So, you know, fall in love with the process, the product will happen. I guess is the short answer there. I love it. So how can people connect with you? I have Twitter, I, maybe you have a blog or something. I say yeah, maybe, maybe, knowing maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. yeah, you can you can follow me at, uh, you can find my blog at georgecurls.ca, um, at gcurls on Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, and so, yeah, like in, um, there's lots of spaces you connect with me. I have my own podcast as well. That's something, uh, again, that I started not 
just saying like, Hey, how do people use this? And so, um, it's something I didn't think I'd love, but I, I do love doing this too. Um, yeah. So there's lots of places. And if you, if, if none of those links work, just Google me and you'll, you'll find them pretty quick. <laughs> well, I will drop links in the show notes so that right. folks can connect with you. Of course. Awesome. Well, George, thank you very much for showing up and for turning out, so to speak. That's right. Uh, <laughs> And well, Greg, you you'll be on, you're going to be on my podcast right away too. So I'm excited for yes, that. Yes. Throw all well, this back right at you. Well, great. Um, I'm going to be here. So Love before it. I go, uh, whether you're in a classroom, in a boardroom, whether you're a follower or a leader, uh, always ask good questions, answer the ones you can, make someone feel special and be great because you are great. Thank you. <laughs>